0: We are born into different circumstances and societies and contexts, but opportunities can make that playing feel equal, and even for all of us, so that we can all discover ourselves write our own destiny. The world has never been changing more rapidly, dislocating the ways we work, learn, and live. On the Learning Future podcast, we discuss the knowledge, skills, and dispositions we
1: all need for our learning future. Exploring insights with world class educators, researchers, policymakers, and leaders from across industries and across the world. Hi, and welcome to the Learning Future podcast. I'm your host, Luca Parry, and today we are speaking with Manjula Dizanayake. Uh, Manjula is the founder of Educate Lanka Foundation and is a globally recognized social entrepreneur and international development professional with a background in banking and finance. Prior to founding Educate Lanka, He worked in investment banking and consulted across international finance corporations, including with the World Bank. He speaks and advises globally on inclusive and equitable education and workforce solutions for the youth all all across the world and has been named an under 33 global leader and a top 10 social innovator in the United States. He holds a bachelor in finance and a master's in international development and has completed executive education at Stanford University. He's now based in Washington, D.C., and is joining us from there. Manjula, thanks so much for spending time with us today.
0: Thanks, Luca. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you uh, on your podcast. Uh, you know, it's been a privilege to uh, know you over the last three years and uh, to be be able to work on some very interesting uh, work together. And uh, just my pleasure being here today.
1: May I have lots of ideas I want us to cover right I've really it's just such a delight to be able to speak with you again and and to dive into you know what you've been doing really now for a decade as a social entrepreneur in education some of the amazing impact that's happened in Sri Lanka for example uh, but let's just start with something you've learned recently what's something you've noticed in this crazy world and crazy time
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I, I guess you know um Looking back, you know, recently last year, you know, everyone probably has something that they learned uh, for the first time in their lives, yeah. and uh, I think you know, that's it's it's pretty much the case for me as well. You know, my uh, the year started actually, you know, the beginning of COVID uh, got off the got off to the worst start possible with my mother's passing mm. um, back in March, you know, a year ago. Uh, and then to be able to return here, you know, after visiting—I mean, I've, after attending the funeral in Sri Lanka—somehow yeah. managing to get back to the states, and to uh, you know be able to you know focus on work again, and to really you know to put strategy together, to keep the team together, and to really decide and 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 understand what's going on, and and how do we keep our lights on, and, yeah. and how do we get through this, and what's our you know what are what are the areas we can prioritize et cetera et cetera you know all those things as as any leader would go through right mm. uh, as an organization or as a person while also dealing and figuring out all the you know emotional, psychological and physical challenges uh, with the pandemic yeah. um so it, within this you know to answer your question, I think what I learned through this process is, what actually drives my purpose? Mm. Um, you know, over the last you know fifteen years since founding of educate Lanka, you know, I, knew, I you know, I had the moments where I, you know, I, I, I knew what my purpose was, and that mm. purpose basically shaped educate Lanka's journey. But you know, during COVID and during the pandemic, what I realize is to understand what what actually drives that purpose and 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 that was my values uh, Mm. or the organization's values that's what i came to a realization uh so for example you know i remember i think it was april or 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 may after having some time to process everything uh, for my mother's funeral uh, i had to sit down with my team and and put together a strategy for the rest of the year and we yeah. didn't know how long this is gonna continue, right? And we mm. didn't know uh you know I was told by some one of my you know donors and advisors uh basically very bluntly uh, said to me you know prepare to cease to exist as an organization coming out of this. Wow it was that blake, right? Yeah. So I wasn't sure you know as a nonprofit, as a social enterprise, I knew Things are going to be bleak. You know, our resources are going to be tied up. Uh, our funding is going to be cut off. Uh, we didn't know whether we could keep alive. Mm. So, as a leader, I I really had to, you know, come together with strategy and communicate that to the team. And I remember having that, you know, I, writing an email actually to the team, and then getting on a call. And what I there was what I communicated with the team and discussed and agreed with the team was that our priority is going to be our community because our community, our students are the most vulnerable in this situation where, you know, all of them come from daily wage earning families and their livelihoods have been shattered, not to mention the health crisis. Um, And they don't even have food on the table. So we said, Whatever the resources we have, whatever the resources we're going to acquire over the next few months, we are going to prioritize our efforts to get those resources to our community. That's our number one priority, and then second, I said I'm going to put the resources to make sure that our staffs keep their job, mm. um, and and they keep their livelihoods, and and I said to them, you know, third, you know, whatever is left, or, you know, my my priority will come last, and I knew it was also. A sensible decision at that time because I knew I had access to uh you know relief efforts, etc. You know, being based in both in the United States and Sri Lanka, I knew being based in US, I was able to get to some of those relief resources here. Yeah, sure. And I could keep the lights on and somehow fall back on those contingencies. Uh, yeah. But I wanted to focus on the front. So going through that entire process, I realized you know, and I, you know, as a team, the first thing that we did during that process were to kind of pause and reflect uh, on our own challenges and then reflect on the challenges of our greater society, our community, mm. and then to be grateful to be able to, you know, have our lives and livelihoods still intact, yeah. uh, whereas some were not so lucky, um, you know, there were People, you know, in hospitals and dying in thousands daily. So be grateful for what we have that time, and and to really then put things into perspective, and 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 make sure that this is our this is going to be our strategy. We're going to do our best, and we're going to uh, really you know prepare for the worst, but plan for the best because we knew coming out of this, you know, we saw education has been a you know great. You know, you're one of the greatest yeah. imbalances in our society, right? Yes. We saw how yeah. structurally imbalanced uh, education was, so we knew there's going to be opportunities coming our way because we've been working on these issues pre-COVID, yeah. and if we yeah. somehow stay alive through this process, we knew we're going to be able to tap into those opportunities coming out. So our strategy yeah, was right. to somehow stay alive, keep our lights on, and and you know, looking back at all of that, I think all of those were driven by not just my values, but our organization's values and, and the values of our team members. Yeah. And I think that's, that's again, uh, you know, and, and end of the day, I think those are the values that really drive your own purpose. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's, that's what I learned.
1: <laughs> wow, you know, some, some people just watch the Netflix show. You know, you've got to be. Yeah, been sometimes on a you have to do that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> totally right. <laughs> because, you know, it's, uh... Yeah, Manjali, I mean, as, I think it's a beautiful starting point for our conversation. You know, really, this is about who we are and who we choose to be when, when challenges like what we've been experiencing for the last twelve months now really take over. And I'd love you to share, you know, like how who you are has manifested in in what you choose to do with Educate Lanka. Uh, so t- take us on take us on that journey. Like what what is the what's the problem? And and how have you tried to collectively build a solution for, as you say, some of the mo- some young people that experience in the highest vulnerability, in the highest vulnerability cl- groups there. Um, and what do you think is working? And and I mean one of the lines that I actually have learned from you mandela is this idea that you know while talent is universal opportunity is not and so how do we how do we change the features of our societies and our education systems and our economies so that they actually become closer to the impossible idea of meritocracy because as we are that is not the world we live in right now right. um you know when you, how many uh, albert einsteins a bit of a cliche to say but how many albert einsteins are we missing because Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't created the, the kind of nurturing, nourishing conditions for young people to really thrive and move into the workforce and do great work and feel proud right. of it. But yeah, take us on that journey, mate, because I think it's—I'm really inspired by what you've done with Educate Lanka, and uh, and I continue to be.
0: Thank you, thank you. No, so I mean, so my journey with Educate Lanka was shaped by my own journey. Uh, right you can basically it was something it was not something that i planned uh, saying that okay i I saw this big issue and i want to create this you know movement or an organization or a venture to address that it was just i was driven to do something i saw a problem and i found a solution and i wanted to do it Mm. and 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 there were you know, there's a story behind that, which I will get into. Yeah. But but I wanted to mention that, you know, that then through that process, you know, I realized this was my purpose. And then I took the decisions to make that purpose and turn that into the organization's purpose, right? So going back to your question, like the big question that I'm trying to explore here is how do we make opportunities universal for everyone? Yeah. Because I believe when, you, when I say talent is universal, opportunity is not, the greatest equalizer or the greatest weapon, as Nelson Mandela put it, is to, to make those opportunities universal,
1: mm.
0: is education. Mm. And not just an education in the means of going to school or to a classroom, but a real education that allows that person to discover themselves, right? Find their own purpose, mm-hmm. and really have have that learning for life—not just for a job, not just for a degree, not just for a qualification, but learning for life, right? And that's the and and you know through that process, they're go- they're going to be economic um, returns. That's going mm-hmm. to be you know they're going to find their you know, they'll be able to maximize their well-being and happiness, right? They'll be able to positively contribute to the society um, and and really you know lift their families and, and and communities out of their circumstances, right? So education in that sense is the greatest equalizer. And I strongly believe that. So everything that I do is built around that. Uh, and and my larger, you know, the question that I'm exploring is how do we make opportunities universal for everyone? Because it is not right now, yeah. and and that basically determines someone's you know journey in life. Un- unless they're either given an opportunity or they stumble upon an opportunity, that's the time that actually transform. Right? You take a lot of these cases. You take everyone's story. You know, each of us have our unique stories, and you you look back at it, and you know you can actually pinpoint and identify those mm. transformation points where someone either gave you an opportunity or you found an opportunity and that changed your life. Wow. Um, so I want to make sure that we make those opportunities equal for everyone so that we are all playing on a same equal playing field. Uh, and then, you know, you can build up your talents and discover yourselves and become you know positive contributors to the society.
1: Mm. Tell us about how, how that works. Cause you're the approach, you know, you kind of the theory of change and action that you've put together has in it both economic aspects as well as kind of educational ones. So the idea, for example, of, of micro scholarships, uh,
0: right.
1: which are, you know, used, but I, I mean, the interesting thing is it's the scholarship isn't enough. It's
0: right,
1: you know, the program and the program is enough without the kind of finance. So it's this idea of thinking right. a little holistically about the nexus of the kind of economic and the educational aspects. So yeah, you know, share like what what is the experience of a young person that's that's really lucky to be supported by Educate Lanka?
0: Yeah, so you know the, our theory of change is also shaped by our own learnings and our own discoveries, right? Yeah. Because we didn't go into this as I said, you know, done research and 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 all of that information. Uh, it was the idea basically came, you know, where my Late mother was a retired teacher. She mm-hmm. found these students in her community who were struggling to continue their education uh, because they couldn't afford additional educational expenses because those families were literally living under $2 a day. Wow. And out-of-pocket expenses just to remain in school, you know, to afford school supplies, transportation, private tutoring, because our education system is measured by test, you know, mm. academic, you know, memorization and acquisition of knowledge, which get them tested. And if you don't learn that in school, you had to go to private tuition to learn that subject matter. So these families couldn't afford them and that became the number one reason for them to drop out of school. So identifying this issue, we realized that there are all these Sri Lankans living outside uh, and even inside Sri Lanka who could easily contribute to bridge this funding gap Mm. so that these families can keep their, you know, child in school without them you know having to pull them out and put them in work um, or pull them out just so that the other sibling can continue Mm -hmm. Um, so we saw an opportunity there and we developed a model to connect these students with you know Sri Lankans from around the world through an online platform and then we would fund them until they complete their higher education so that was the idea and we realized that great you know just getting them know every additional year of education you know you have enormous economic benefit right Mm -hmm. to not just for that individual but to the society to the country to the economy etc so we were you know we were satisfied and you know that became sort of our objective but you know doing this after five you know for five years and seeing our students going through our program graduating getting those degrees going into the workforce we realized there was something missing. We realized that, you know, some of them who went through, you know, engineering or medicine tracks would get their jobs and, you know, they get their professions. But 80% of them, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't really have the skills and the competencies and the values that we were expecting them to see because they were going through the same education system and that education system is not preparing them for anything outside of a job, or an academic qualification. Right. So we realized that you know, even if these students get to that position, they were either underemployed or unemployed, or even employed, mm. they're not really contributing the way that they sh- you know, a, a global citizen in the 21st century should be contributing to society. So that was a huge gap that I realized that we need to address because that was the real impact we wanted to see. Um, So that's when we brought in this other component of programs where while we continue to keep these students in school, we would work with the industry, with the employers, with partners internationally to give them a learning pathway outside the classroom so that they could acquire those foundational learning and skills and competencies that would make their education a holistic one. And make their education lifelong, where they would have the skills and competencies, not just for a work or a job or an industry, but to know how to contribute positively to the society, to be able to manage their emotions and and and, and understand each other and contribute to the society positively
1: mm.
0: and 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 maximize their well-being and happiness, which is the ultimate goal of education. Um, so that's the sort of the so basically you know look you know breaking down our interventions theory of change we basically have these two complementary programs one is to keep them in school because without going to school without yeah. getting that you know other technical academic qualifications um you know you you can't do much outside the classroom so first yeah. you had to keep them in school um then we would provide those learning experiences outside the classroom so that they leave with that complete learning when they when they complete uh, education
1: fantastic it's it's a uh, i think it's the idea of thinking a bit systemically about those challenges that that make it work right i mean i'm sure i'm yeah, sure you, you yeah. still have lots of challenges and, 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 uh,
0: but right yeah. no at the end of the day right this has to be we have to then influence this system right? yeah so that the actual education that they receive in the school becomes that holistic learning, nice. right? So that we don't have to continue to do this outside the classroom. We actually do this inside the classroom yeah. where you see these models have been applied bo- both in the global north and global south in, in, in many contexts, right? Mm. So how do we get our education system and other education systems around the world who are still you know lagging and obsolete to actually leapfrog and, and, and develop their education systems and curriculums and pedagogies, uh, and and also you know setting that right purpose right yeah. where, where everything else will then flow um, to 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 uh, you know shift from this narrow academic you know outcomes and acquisition of knowledge to a larger purpose of you know maximizing well being and has, happiness uh, of the whole child you know so. That's the eventual goal, but to get there, we need to work outside the system, bring in stakeholders, so it's, mm-hmm. a, it becomes a multi-stakeholder approach, and eventually then start working within the system with the policymakers, with educators, uh, to make those changes so that we don't have to do this outside the system, and, and our system becomes that ideal education.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great, Manjula. I... Really, I'm thinking a lot about the kind of the learning ecosystem concept that Valerie Hannon spoke to um, and has done a lot of work with Wise uh, in the past about. And she was actually on a few a few podcasts ago talking about this idea that you, you need all of the different elements uh, within societies, within economies, to really be convening, you know, the right the right kind of experience and environment if we're going to get the best out of ourselves and out of our young people and not not just for us as an extraction, right. but actually for everybody. Um, what I'm, I'm curious about this. How do you think, as a social entrepreneur, one of the things that I often think about is how do we take uh, some of the really powerful work that's being done and have it kind of absorbed back into the system? So as you say, like, what might be a way to, you know, so for example, the department says, A department, a ministry of education, or something says, "We love this program. We'd love to bring it into all of our schools, or you know, make this a new way." How do we get to that perspective? Because I think, for all the great work that ministries and departments and the policymakers and public servants in inside that space, for all the great work they do, there's also just some really significant limitations on innovation and risk, um, and you know, agility. Uh, And I think many people would acknowledge that as well. So. Yeah, what do you? How do you think you kind of can do this private public partnership? Or well, I think you, you talk about it as a social private partnership, which is interesting as well.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah, so uh, what I've realized is um, there are two ways to do this, right? Either one is sort of you have this top down approach where you have that visionary leadership within a, within an education system who understands this, who realizes this, and who implements those changes, right? And as countries, if you have such a leader, you are basically lucky because that's that's the type of leadership that you need to make these kind of changes. Uh, that, so unfortunately, yeah. that's not the case in many places, uh, including in Sri Lanka. So how do we then influence those changes other way around? So that's where we come in, and we believe that the, the, the way to do that is to work together in partnerships in in a multi-stakeholder approach where you could because you know if you take we as a civil society or, or or the you know social sector and then you have the private sector and the industries who are the recipient of the talent and the and the products of our education system yeah. and they are now realizing the pain because they can't find the required skill sets and competencies coming out of the education system so they they actually have to bring talent from outside the country to meet their requirements and demands so there's actually this um you know disconnect with you know you have this underemployment and unemployment Mm. then you also have jobs that are not filled so how does how, it's it's a paradox right yeah. how do you explain that you know you have job vacancies but and then you have these people looking for jobs yeah those two are not matching because, yeah. so that's the that's the, that's a the challenge so the industry understands and and our, the way that we work with them is that we 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 teach to them the idea that working through us they can proactively invest in that pipeline and the and the education before they leave the system so that they don't have to spend uh, you know their resources time and money in re- training them and retraining them and reskilling them yeah if by proactively investing in this pipeline in the education they can actually get the skill sets and the type of talent that they need not just to fill their jobs but to also as as you know global citizens mm. who could contribute positively to the society you know through the work and also in, privately, um, so working together in these sort of partnerships, you can then influence the public sector and the policymakers and the educators, and and for that you need to it's not it, from my understand you know from my learning in Sri Lanka, it it takes a long time and that's yeah. one of my sort of the greatest fears that. I, I'm not sure how long we had to do this to get, that, get push those changes, but you start doing that, you know, in, in small steps until you develop uh, a strong coalition around this and a partnership around this that you can influence those changes at the top level, and and it, it'll come to a point because you know when you have you know these significant stakeholders uh, pushing for these challenge you know changes. Mm eventually the public sector and the leadership have has to listen right yeah and 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 that happens it doesn't happen overnight it's a it's a process mm-hmm. and, and you have to stay in, in it for the long long haul and and that's what i've realized in our work this is not going to be you know next five years next 10 years i don't even know whether that'll happen in my lifetime but we are making sure that we do make progress we are making those changes uh measurable changes yeah so that we know that we are heading the right direction um uh, and and collectively we can do so it, it's not a role or a job for one singular player or one singular sector it has to be a collective effort mm. and and the, the 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 starting point of this is actually realizing that you need a change yeah um uh,
1: yeah, because, yeah because
0: that that realization hasn't <laughs> happened in certain parts
1: know. <laughs> no and I, I suppose it's as 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 we've all spoken about many times I'm sure you know it is one of the ways that we can use this disaster this pandemic you know as as an accelerant towards positive yeah, change. Yeah, I mean it's
0: the greatest opportunity, right?
1: Yeah, this maybe time, of our lifetimes, Nandula. You know, it, yeah. you know right. like, really, who knows? But
0: yeah, and and that's the silver lining in all of this, right? The greatest of you know catastrophes and and uh, disasters also offer the silver lining opportunities, and if mm. we if we miss that, you know, that's going to be the you know, our, our, in our lifetime, the greatest missed opportunity. Yeah. So that's why the urgency is needed because we can't let this slip away from us. This is our opportunity of lifetime. You know, for our generation.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm an optimist. So, uh, and I really do take your point. A couple of your points. One. One that. Uh, you know, this is around even if you just take a hard-nosed economic paradigm and look at this from a pure money in, money out perspective, a quality education is is the best, the best uh, investment that governments can make. When we think about human capital investments, you know, the return on investment is just so remarkable, particularly when we start to bring in social and emotional skills into that conversation, right. because then you have people that can self-regulate, uh, you know, criminality goes down, you know, all this amazing stuff. So. But then, of course, there's the broader question, which is well, what is a society for? Uh, what is education trying to enable in each of us? Right. Um,
0: what success then, means, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, it, that's, that drives everything else.
1: Yeah, and so I'd, I'd love to. That's for you, a
0: question I have, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, how do you, um, because how do we change that definition of success? Mm. Um, and and that's, a, that's a question that I'm trying to really understand uh that how, how does one go about changing it because this is it's instilled in our society in our minds in our systems in every institution yeah so it's it's because until you change the definition of success from this you know narrow materialistic viewpoint of acquisition of money or wealth or fame, and then, you know, really change it to success being measured by your contributions to the society, yeah. your positive yeah. footprint, yes, your nice. happiness, your well-being, right? And that's when, when success is defined in that way, then the education will follow because education's purpose is always tied to the definition of success.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's, everyone's, that's, you know, that's,
0: that's a but, great point yeah it's, it's the yeah, mental model so yeah. right exactly and so how do we change that definition of success across the society so that you know a CEO understands that the president of a country or a politician understands that you know the person who drives a bus understands that yeah you know the young person going into you know school understands that your parents understand that teachers understand that so that's you know how do we get there, oh. um, and 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 it's 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 sort of this you know the you know one of the ways is of course the education right, but it's it's a chick, it becomes in a chicken and egg thing you yeah. have to change one before the other, um, exactly
1: exactly maybe maybe because I I ask myself this question all the time, uh, and and I wonder it's it can't be that one follows the other this is a synergistic relationship you know by right. cha- by by shifting in formal education systems, what success means by what we're measuring, like for example, bringing in well-being and the social emotional loss, that will change right. also the conception of what a successful life means. And I mean, we have many Eastern traditions, as, I, as you can definitely test and Western traditions and philosophers right. talk about, what does it mean to live a good life? And I, I feel that we just have to, maybe we need to go around the dark side of the moon um, before we can kind of emerge back into the light, Manjula, you know, the idea of... <laughs> Like it's fr- perhaps from, from crisis that we can, uh, yeah, we can reemerge. You know, and, and you and, and I own, think
0: it's also yeah. Um, no, go ahead, please.
1: No, you, you're right. You, well, you and I just we're in these conversations all the time. You know, <laughs> on put <Right>. all panels <laughs> together. You know, it's, yeah. you know, how do we build back better? Like how do we reimagine and reconceptualize? And I, I, I think of kind of some of the elders that I've learned from. You know, and the idea of gentle pressure relentlessly applied. I quite like, you know, so that, and maybe that's how this, we are the system. We need to change ourselves as we attempt to change, you know, right. the way that it manifests for others. But I don't know, that's, this is just my. Yeah, no, my I, I,
0: I strongly believe in that, like, sort of, it, um, you know, it, 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 it has to be, you know, one individual at a time, right? But then there's also, I, I realize the importance of having that, Top-down approach of yeah. like the leadership changes, you know, people in power understanding that. So, yeah. for example, you know, you you know, conscious capitalism, right? It's mm-hmm. not all about money. You know, moving from shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism,
1: nice. those
0: kind of shifts appearing in our society will then, you know, someone who's looking at, you know, who wants to, who aspires to become a CEO, right? And when you when they see uh, CEOs making those decisions and changes, how mm. they value, create value, right? Uh, you know, it's for the, for the, I mean, in my entire lifetime, you know, the objective of the CEOs are to maximize shareholder value, right? That's what yeah. we were taught. That's what yeah. we see. You know, that's what we hear. But now moving across, you know, moving away from that to a model where you, you your, your goal is to sh- maximize stakeholder yeah. value yeah right? and and that means your employees your your partners your your vendors your customers your in you know the environment um the society etc and and you know the esg you know the principles uh, the the business models right and and that's a trend that you know uh, economic uh, sorry environmental social and governance standards that yeah. uh the Wall Street to Main Street are adopting now, and there are research and and findings to show that you know a company that invest on those ESG uh, mm. found you know fund you know criteria mm. uh, have better economic returns over time yeah, okay. than a company just max you know focus on the profits and yeah. they would have better bottom lines uh, 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 than a company who just focuses on maximizing shareholder profits. Yeah. So those shifts are going to be important because then those are the role models that our young kids see right and yeah. then when they go so together with those changes that you describe like you know integrating social emotional learning into the curriculum together with that when they see these shifts are happening uh, you know in the industry in the workforce in the, industry, in yeah. the, workforce, in the society that's when those changes are going to happen in our mindsets yeah great in the, in the young people right and then yeah. when they become that leader they already understand that mm. shift in mindset and when they become the leaders who are going to make decisions and changes that's when you're going to see a collective of effort across the world awesome. so we need to get to the masses and i, I you know and that needs to happen from both directions,
1: yeah, both top of,
0: down and bottom yeah, up. The yeah, the bo-
1: top down enablement and the bottom up kind of social movements of change. And it's really clear to me, Manjula, like how like your vantage point here is sitting across, you know, as a former banker and now social entrepreneur, like educator. Right. You know, it, it's true. Like we need these conversations to be happening in the in the you know eco 101. You know, like what are we teaching to yeah. young economists? Yeah. You know. Because yeah. this is the, like, are we talking about Professor Kate Rayworth's donor economic models? Are we looking at, you know, Mariana Mazzucato's mission economy, you know, like this surely is the time, it's the time for a, a new economics, you know, uh, with a capital yeah, E yeah. just like a, a new education with a capital E. Right. Um,
0: and and that's why I, I really, um, I'm glad to see this sort of emergence of social entrepreneurship, social impact, yeah. ESG investing these concepts mean that people are, you know, really uh, concentrating on this. Because when I became a social entrepreneur, it wasn't even heard of, right? uh, Even my parents didn't understand what I was doing. (laughs) You know, neither did I, (laughs) to be honest. It was just a blind, you know. But but now, you know, it becomes a major, it becomes a career path. You know, you have, uh, you know. Uh, funds. You have uh, organizations. You have business models. Mm. Um, you have tax brackets. All kind of, uh, all kinds of. Uh, you know. Th- uh, th- so that this sort of uh, expansion in this space is a good sign because that that means more and more people are realizing uh, that's how that's going to be the new normal. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be. You know, we went from like just. Focusing on making money to then saying that oh you're going to make profits by you know and, and while doing some good so that that's where mm. like the CSR type of things came right social uh, corporate social responsibility awesome. yeah. efforts right and those were although intended to be you know well intended yeah. a lot of them became just marketing right yeah uh, because sure. again but, the purpose was like maximizing profits or oh, how do we do a CSR program that actually would then lead to more profits right yeah. but but, but yeah, the, sure. so that's where like we are right now or kind of like kind that's of in point. right now but where we need to go is to actually how do we make money by doing good right so that means you don't have to do something and do good on the side you can actually you know survive and make money and and you know capitalism can exist by yeah. doing good so that means You're going to take care of your employees. You're going to take care of your society. You're going to take care of the environment. You're going to take care of your customers and still make money. And that should be a business model. And that's a business model. It's been proven. It's been done. All you need is for people to understand that in the long term, you're going to make more money by approaching that way rather than just focusing on pure profit. And and you're seeing that, right? You're going to have have a loyal, yeah, loyal, you know, workforce you're going to have lower customer base you're going to have you know reduced footprint you're going to uh, you know get tax credits and you know you're going to uh, meet all the regulatory requirements and all of this is going to improve your bottom line mm. in the long term and yeah. so that, that's that's yeah. where you need to shift that you know mindset from quarterly earnings and you know meeting these quarterly targets to long-term thinking and decision making and strategic thinking that's when actual real leaders can make changes and that's when you know Businesses can really, uh, you know, innovate and really bring solutions that are good for the society.
1: Yeah. You know that's great, manjula I mean, we could have a whole, a whole new, co- another conversation about right. like the, our measures <laughs> exactly. of success and how if we shift those, maybe things will move. But look, it's been it's been wonderful to hear your your reflections as a social entrepreneur and kind of education innovator, um, and you know, uh, bringing together kind of the economic and the educational imperatives that we, that really are the only way we can create a world, let alone communities or economies that can continue to work well into the future. I'd love you to just close uh, by sharing a take-home message uh, with our listeners. What, what do you want to leave us with, with all the work that you do uh, well, across the globe, particularly directly supporting young people in Sri Lanka? What's, what's the take-home message for us?
0: Um, that's a tough one, <laughs> but, um, uh-huh. uh, if I can sort of give three messages, brief sure. messages, right. Um, so one thing, when I was answering a question earlier that came to my mind, which I couldn't actually communicate was that, um, you know, my unanswered question or like the, the, what I don't have clarity, clarity is that, mm-hmm. you know, do I get to see the Northern star one day? You know, I know what my northern sky is, but would I get to see it, right? That means would I get to see the changes that I am fighting for, I'm, I'm earning for, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, as MLK said, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. But nice. I may not get there, but I know collectively We will get there one day. So that's how I picture it, you know, because I understand this is a long-term effort. You know, this is our moonshot, right? Mm. Changes in education, reimagining education is the moonshot of our generation, right? So you need to really have that purpose, good values, you know, driving that purpose and have that understanding that, you know, this this is going to take time. And, but you are you are building a coalition, a community, a society who believe in that vision and who will realize that vision even if you're not there. Yeah. So that's the first one. And the second one, again, you know, just the quote, the motto, the ethos of my work, my purpose is talent is universal, opportunity is not. And that's what Educate Lanka is for. That's what Educate Lanka is trying to address making universal you know making opportunities universal for everyone regardless of the background circumstances color race income levels etc mm-hmm. you know we are all born uh, equally we are born into different circumstances and societies and context but opportunities can make that plain you know playing field equal and even for all of us so that yeah. we can all discover ourselves, Write our own destiny, right? Mm. Um, and the last one I wanted to leave behind, uh, actually, a quote from you know President Obama back in two thousand eight. Our stories are singular, but our destiny is shared. I think that that has a, a lot of meaning uh, in everything that I do and what I believe.
1: Wow. Beautiful way to finish a delightful conversation. Manjula, thanks so much for sharing your views on the Learning Future podcast.
0: Thank you, Luka. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, It was a great pleasure. Thank you.
1: I'll see you very soon and keep up the great work.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Learning Future podcast. To find out more about our work, drop into thelearningfuture.com and follow us at Learning Future on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Here's to building a world of thriving learners together.